Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make Hi, of this it. is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Dad. Lauren, I have a question for you. All right. You're in the woods, and out of nowhere, a bear shows up in front of you. Oh. Would you say this is a stressful situation? <laughs> yes, I would say so for sure. And that's our subject today, bears. No, no just kidding. Bears. <laughs> our subject today is stress and how to manage it. Mm. Before you go any further, can I remind you of one instance where I thought I was being attacked by a bear? <laughs> you may. Uh-huh. And so we were out camping on our family trip. And I don't know if you remember this as vividly as I do, because I had a full uh, body reaction to this experience. But we were in Wyoming, and we were in separate tents. And right before we went to bed, they asked us to put all of our um, toothpaste and anything that had a scent we had to actually put in the middle of the lake so that the grizzly bears couldn't smell it. And we all got settled into our tents. And moments later, you must have gotten out of your tent <laughs> and started scraping on the outside of my tent. And I was horrified and terrified. And so I wound up then having to sleep in your tent, which was like a different tent. And we were all stuffed in there. I do and remember then, that. Yeah, but we, so, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't put our stuff in the lake. We put it on a raft and put the raft out in the lake. Right, right. Yeah. right. Yes. Yes. So uh, th that was a stressful situation. It right? was an unnecessary stressful situation. <laughs> Thank you. Life is filled with stressful situations, some bigger than others. Uh, bears are bigger than uh, standing in line and being impatient with the person in front of you is taking forever to load up all the stuff on the cart. You know, so stress comes in many shapes and forms. But would you agree with me? I'm sure you would. That everyone, there isn't a person listening to this, there isn't anyone in the entire planet ever since the beginning of time that ever avoided having some stress in their life. Yeah, for sure. And it is interesting too, thinking about that story. Sometimes our stress is based off of real stimulus, and sometimes it's actually just perceived stress. Like in the in that example where you created the bear, it wasn't a real bear, but I had the same reaction of stress as if it was real. Well, but so. you thought it was real. So no, no, I, I, that, you have to rethink that because in that case, you thought it was a bear, even though your imagination was at play, uh, you did perceive it to be actual danger, right? True, but I, I think that's my point, which is that our mind can sometimes believe that we're in danger and believe that we are under st extreme stress when the reality isn't always the case. That's true, that's true. Um, so real or imagined, that's, yeah. so we, we and we oftentimes, uh, maybe it's true, maybe most of the things that stress us are of the imagination, the worrisome things that we anticipate, right? Yeah, absolutely. Things that yeah. are only of the mind. Yeah. Bear! 
now, from now on, I'm going to sneak up behind you whenever you visit. Yeah, I shouldn't have reminded you of that. Bear! <laughs> you got so much pleasure out of scaring the wits out of us, too. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have had some, some uh, bear episodes that were truly stressful. If you recall, also in Wyoming, going up the side of a mountain horseback, and our guide told us that there was a grizzly bear tracking us. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Bear! Do you dream about bears now? Are you are you kind I mean, of probably I will tonight after this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about stress today, and and it comes in all forms. Uh, certainly, it comes in the form of bears. But Lauren, uh, give me another form. Look, what, what's another form of stress? Stress, I would say. Uh, being under a ton of pressure, just mm. having a lot that you need to get done. And maybe it feels as though you don't have enough time to do it all. I think wow. that's like a really common. Oh boy. It sure level. is. You know, it's funny because, you know, when we talk about stress, um, it is, a, it's in, in and of itself, it's kind of a pressure, right? It's, you feel it as a pressure. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think that it normally in our minds we equate it with a um like we only have a certain an, a certain amount of time to get certain things done. Like there's always a time stamp on it. Hmm. Time stamp. I like that. So pressure. When was the last time you pressured yourself? Give me an example. Uh well, for me, I often feel pressure when I'm like running late for things yeah. um, because I try to do too much and I can't always get it all done in time. So I wind up, you know, feeling stressed to get from one place to another and also, you know, taking on too many projects or too many tasks at a time. It, it feels like you can do it in the moment you say yes. And then you realize later as you're trying to juggle all of them, that it's not sustainable. Yeah, yeah. But what you're describing is, I think, culturally, this is this is the world we've come to live in, the uh, the world of juggling and doing and times and clocks and late appointments. And, yeah, this is a stressful world we live in. But, you know, before we go on talking about stress, what I'd like to do is just lay a foundation, a physiological foundation of what stress does to our body, because it'll help us understand this thing we're calling stress. Mm. So can I just do that for a bit? Yeah, please. There's a structure in the brain. It's called, and I know you, you've mentioned this many times in our other podcast, it's called the amygdala, which, you know, it's kind of the alarm system in our, in our, in our brain, where it, and it becomes activated whenever we feel threatened. And again, what you were saying earlier, real or imagined. Uh, so when we're stressed, when we, when we feel threatened, and that could be just, you know, being late for an appointment, that's a kind of implicit threat that we feel. So we have the amygdala, that's, that's the alarm part of our brain, the fight-flight part. And the amygdala sets off this alarm, informing another part of the brain, the hypothalamus. Now, here's where it gets interesting. So the amygdala sends to the hypothalamus, danger, danger, and your hypothalamus wakes up your pituitary gland. Wake up, gland, wake up. Isn't that good? That's what it, it, it talks. <laughs> is that, is that how it, talks? It, it has a voice. <laughs> So it wakes up the pituitary gland, which in turn triggers your adrenals to mm -hmm. activate stress hormones that act as little messages telling your adrenal gland to release. Are you ready for this? Yeah. The adrenal gland, when it's stressed, 
releases 1,400 stress-related chemical reactions in your body. So when we say stress, we're talking about a massive overhaul of the body's chemistry by these stress chemicals, cortisol being the, the major domo of all these stress chemicals. So stress, when, we, when I say stress, I'm talking about the physiological changes in my body. So it's not just a mental state. I think it's important to realize just how much gets activated in your body when we feel stressed. So with that in mind, let's, let's go through some more aspects of stress uh, and, and, and just realize that we're talking about really significant body, mind changes, big changes and yeah. big changes in our lives. Uh, for example, a divorce, a marriage, uh, certain things will bring on a very deep-seated kind of stress as we anticipate major things shifting and changing in our life. You know, we're creatures of comfort. We like the familiar. And I'm always talking about the devil we know versus the devil we don't. So we like those things that are familiar. We don't like big changes. We may like them, and since you are recently, I guess it's still recent, married, right? Yeah. yeah. We call it recent, the first year. Since you are recently married, do you remember the stress leading up to that? The big change in your life? Yeah, I, I remember you the stress. A, you, you forgot the wedding <laughs> well, already? No, I, I wasn't stressed about the marriage. It was, I was definitely stressed about the wedding planning. So yeah, I can, I can um, definitely speak to to that for sure did you feel the physical changes did you feel that stress in your body oh yeah definitely I felt it um you know at different times like it came in waves but the and and usually actually it would happen not so much like it didn't happen the day of the change but it would happen any moment that I would try to figure out a solution to a problem that popped up and if there wasn't an obvious solution sort of projecting into the future and not knowing what the outcome would be those were the times where i would feel stress in my body and my mind so those would be times when the amygdala sets off the hypothalamus which sets off the pituitary gland which triggers the adrenals by saying wake up wake up 1400 stress chemicals just flowing through your body yeah yeah it's so crazy when you were saying that i was thinking back to a story i had read about a mother whose toddler actually got stuck under a car and she saw it happen. And so obviously her amygdala sent those uh, hormones into her body and the adrenaline and the cortisol. And she was actually, so she was just like a five foot three, 120 pound woman who in that moment was actually able to lift the car to grab her child and save it. Um, and so I always think about that because, you know, that's the effect of the chemicals being released into the body is, is something miraculous and heroic like that could happen, which is amazing if there's real danger. But when we're just experiencing like, you know, levels of stress where it's not necessary to have all those chemicals in your body, mm-hmm. it's, it's really just damaging to have to recover from that over and over and over again. You know, I've heard that story too, going way back uh, many years ago. I've heard the same story, and I guess there are capabilities that we don't realize, but certainly we, we wouldn't, a 120-pound person wouldn't lift an SUV. Maybe you would. 
<laughs> well, you, I guess it depends on how much, how many chemicals are rushing through your system. <laughs> well, uh, let me let me just remind you: one thousand four hundred stress-related <laughs> chemicals are flowing. Oh, thank you, thank you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you were all, you were talking about big changes, but I think with big changes comes worrying. Um, so I think just worrying about any sort of outcome, whether it has to do with a big change or not, I think that also can be a really stressful situation for a lot of people, just not knowing. Yeah, well, worrying, that's ubiquitous. That's that's almost as ubiquitous as stress itself. And why do we worry? Well, well, first of all, we don't worry about things going right, right? Gee, I hope I don't win that darn lottery. Uh, it has to do with worrying about things that are going to go wrong. So, of course, if we're anticipating something going wrong, that's stressful. And all the alarms start going off in the body and we start to have now stress. What's really dangerous about worrying, though, is that it can happen weeks before an event, something that's threatening, months before a threatening event. Mm -hmm. and, and so we're carrying around chronic stress. Yeah. We, can, we can get into that a little bit later, but chronic stress is different from circumstantial stress because with circumstantial stress, uh, the stressor, like the bear, <laughs> air goes away or you leave the path and, and everything is fine and you come back down to earth. But with chronic stress, we stay in this alarm state and it is this constant adaptation to stress that really depletes the body. Whether the stress is chronic or circumstantial, it's important to realize also that the amygdala will be triggered either in either situation. And when that happens, the amygdala sort of hijacks the other parts of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, the areas that are actually allowing you to rationalize and to think through and problem solve. And if those parts of your brain are not able to function at full capacity, then you won't have the ability to work through the actual problem once it arises. Instead, you're in this like reactionary state, which likely will not be the thing that's going to help yeah, you yeah. in the long run. Yeah, but, but that's why, isn't that why when, when we, for example, worrying, when, when we say, I know it's stupid. So the rational mind is just overwhelmed by the physiological amygdala response, that fight flight response. And we know it's irrational, but our cognitive frontal lobe kind of thinking uh, really pales in comparison to the rush of, of all these uh, 1,400 chemicals searching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a really important point though, because maybe later, try to remind me later, let's talk about top-down, bottom-up strategies, because when we talk about top-down, we're talking about cognitive, the thinking part, trying to calm down the amygdala. And when we talk about bottom up, we're talking about calming down the physiology. So let's let's get into that later when we talk about strategies for handling stress. So okay. one, of, one of us remembers. Okay. okay. I'll remember, I think. Am I stressing you to asking you to put something in your brain and hold it there? That's stressful, I'm, right? I'm still stressed about the bear, to be honest with you. Bear! <laughs> that triggered yeah. a, lot of, a lot of chemicals in my memory. Yeah. So, you know, there are lots, you know, we're talking about different ways that we we process and feel stress. Uh, I think one that's really important, you know, just kind of similar to worrying is that we we really don't control outcomes. And, and this is, you know, that word that I always keep coming back to over and over again, control. Human beings hate 
being out of control. We like to be in control and we just loathe being out of control. So when we perceive anything that is going to make, let's say you're going for a job interview or you're going for a medical procedure or you're taking a test, whenever we perceive a loss of control where we cannot control the outcome, where we have to kind of, as they say in AA, let go, let God, um, we have a really difficult time or some of us do, some of us have less of a difficult time, but when we can't control outcomes, since we are creatures that like to control, it, it really stresses us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that ties in with the, with the worrying piece too, really well. Yeah. I agree. And I don't know if this is similar. I know when we, the first thing I had mentioned was feeling like you're under a lot of pressure. And the other thing that kind of goes with that one is having just an overwhelming amount of responsibilities pressure could be i guess more like self-inflicted feeling pressure but the overwhelming responsibilities i know a lot of people are struggling with that now because of the covid situations and a lot of people are trying to work and they have kids at home because they're not able to go to school and they have to you know there's just so many added responsibilities this last year for a lot of families so i think that one is causing just sort of a um collective stress for a lot of people yeah uncertainty is 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 really something we we wrestle with we we just you know we, we're geared we're wired to to really survive uh, as a friend of mine once said we don't want to die that's there's a gene in us that does not want to die so when there's uncertainty whatever and wherever it might be it it tends to get that uh, amygdala kind of sensitized and we're trying to interpret whether there's danger. Uh, it goes along with being in control. We, we like clarity in our lives. We like to know where the next foot is going to land as we plod through the woods for, waiting for bears. Bears! So that didn't frighten you, did it? No, I've, okay. I'm calming down my amygdala yeah. as, as we go. Okay. Eckhart Tolle, who I always quote because I just love him so much. Like I, I study his teachings a lot and he, he talks a lot about stress and he says that stress is caused by being here, but wanting to be there. Hmm. It's, it's this, um, yeah, dissatisfaction. Like, yeah. The idea that, um, that stress sort of comes from like resisting this moment, you, you want it to be different. And a lot of times it's not even the condition or the thing that causes stress, but it's like the way that our mind reacts to it and and we start to believe that it shouldn't be this way it shouldn't mm -hmm. shouldn't be as it is and and we look to the future for something that's going to you know be the end of it or it's going to make it better and so we wind up sort of you know hijacking this present moment and and it that causes even more stress so sure. i think that idea of realizing that you know if we can sort of slow down a little bit the stress will kind of slow down with us. So yeah. our body is almost programmed to go into overdrive when we sense stressors. But if we can actually, you know, do something that's a little counterintuitive, which is to sort of slow down our own reaction, we might actually find that the stressor, you know, doesn't cause that same mm -hmm. pressure. Okay. But can I ask you, can I stress you a little now? Would you mind? Sure. Go for it. Now, you, you, you love to quote all these wonderful authors each week, and you have all these things to say. How come you never quote me in one of my books? Well, 
because you're on the podcast and so you're creating quotes every time you speak listen to you getting stressed <laughs> gotcha can you do that can next week can you have a, a luciani quote sure and can yeah. you use the same uh and I just love this author. Can you use that to preface it? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to do that, actually. I will. I don't, I bet you're going to forget. No uh, way. So I'm going to, this will continue to stress you because now we're adding pressure, right? Okay. Responsibility. Did we talk about responsibility? So I don't know if we did. Yeah, we had mentioned like, you know, overwhelming responsibilities. Uh, I wasn't listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah responsibilities that's it's kind of interesting yeah that's right we would when you were saying how we do all these juggling and everything life and responsibility that's that's what i miss most about childhood is just not not feeling so responsible for everything you know the only thing you felt responsible for was you know putting on uh, dry socks when your feet got wet in the snow or something i you found a, a to-do list that one of my third graders wrote the other day and it said it was her morning checklist and it said, you know, 8 a.m., wake up, 8.05, brush teeth, 8.08, <laughs> put shoes on, 8.09, like, drink orange juice. And it was just so cute because I was thinking how, like, you know, how free and innocent it is to have to write, put your shoes on on your to-do list. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe there's something inherently pleasing about every once in a while just acting like a child and, and you know, just kind of abandoning all the responsibilities how can we do that i well we could we can let go of everything that's spinning in our head right and just put one shoe on and one sock on well sock on first and then the shoe yeah. <laughs> but you get my my point yeah Let's, can we talk a little bit about you know managing stress yeah how do we do that uh, i mean it's like i said earlier it's it's something we all feel um, it is definitely not just mental. It's a whole physiological response. Um, what do they call it? The HPA response. Yeah, it, it's, it's actually this whole syndrome that goes through the body. And I won't mention how many 1,400 stress chemicals again, but, but this, is, this is going on. And we need to kind of slow down the, the dumping of these hormones and chemicals in our body. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, how do we, how do we get our body to come and check? Do you, do you think it's better to start by trying to address the, the calming down of the body first? Yeah, actually the body, the body senses stress before the mind realizes it. So if you can be aware of the body sensations, you can actually catch it before it becomes out of control. Mm. So yeah, so understanding your sensations and the way you react to stress and then noticing it. Uh, is really helpful because by the time the thinking part of your brain realizes that you're under stress, you might have already, it might be a little too late. That, that's, I like that a lot. So, so the earlier we get in touch with this, how do we do that? So I, I was just literally just teaching this lesson to my uh, students this morning. Oh, and sure you were. Come we on. were. Well, we were talking about fear, not stress, but it's the same reaction same in the brain. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about how, you know, when the amygdala senses fear or stress, it will sort of hijack the prefrontal cortex and it'll send chemicals into your body. And so those chemicals are going to create sensations. How many chemicals? 
1401. Where's the where's the extra one come from? <laughs> what is it? Just 1400? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, whatever. My, my body has one extra chemical that you don't know about. Um, <laughs> it started releasing that extra one after the bear exposure of 2002. Yeah. So when, so when you become aware of your own sensations, like for, for most people, it's, it's racing heartbeat, you know, something with your stomach, either like a tightening or a fluttering. It might be like a tightness, a pressure. So any sensation that you might feel it becoming very aware of those, because they're slightly different for every person. But um, when you know yours, you can sort of catch it as soon as you feel it and be like, whoa, I feel like I'm about to experience a stress response. And then like the first step, is to ask yourself, like, am I in real danger? And and if so, then how do I get to safety? And if not, then you ask yourself, is this a product of, you know, my, my own fear creating a story in my mind? And if that's the case, then you might want to use some, some tools and there are uh, plenty. Yeah, th that's, that's important. I like that a lot. Uh, so, so basically what you have to do is, is kind of, um, program yourself to be more aware. Take, take for example, you're driving in traffic and uh, somebody cuts you off. The first thing you do is you, you grab that steering wheel and you, and you start to squeeze it uh, and as you hit the brake. So, so basically there's this physiological tensiveness that's taking place. Now, if, if, you, if you aren't aware, that may lead to you then feeling stressed uh, and it, it may take a while for that to calm down because once these, I won't mention how many, but once these chemicals are in your body, there has to be a point where they tend to then recede. So stress, I guess I'm looking at it as kind of a where it peaks and then recedes. And so the next time you're starting to feel like you're saying, once you start to recognize that you're getting in that uptick with chemicals surging through your body, Try to try to mitigate that before it reaches a peak performance, causing you to then have a full-blown stress attack. Yeah, absolutely. And the number one way to do that, especially if it's a, an instance of like a, a highly stressful event, like in a moment, the, be the best way to calm your amygdala is to take really deep breaths. Huh. Um, and, and that sounds so simple. And I know when I tell my kids, that, uh, I always say I have a trick for you, like how you can calm your amygdala. And they always laugh like that's not a trick, like we're breathing all the time. And but the truth is, if, if you can take a, a deep breath, like with enough air that actually sends it up into your brain so you could actually like direct it and feel it moving from your lungs up to your brain. And when it when the amygdala senses that that breath, that's that slow, deep breath, it immediately knows that you are safe. So it eliminates that like evolutionary response of, of fear to get you to safety. And it allows your, you know, your other parts of your brain to stay intact. Hmm. So your job is to send a signal to your body immediately that, that you are safe and you are in control and then figure out how to deal with whatever's happening after that. Yeah, because the, the, uh... The amygdala response that we're referring to is, is the sympathetic nervous system is activated. So by, by deep diaphragmatic breathing or paying attention to that breath, you're, you're literally switching to your parasympathetic, which is the relax and digest nervous system. And so the, the changing your physiology from sympathetic, which is agitation, fight, flight, to the 
parasympathetic, which is the rest, digest, uh, this is what that deep breathing can accomplish. And thereby, the curve where the stress chemicals go up starts to then recede. So, okay, yeah. so deep breathing, that's, that's why, can you think of anything else that might help? Yeah, there's plenty of other things. I think, so deep breathing, I think is the one that helps in the moment where there is like an intense stress reaction. Like if, if it's in the case of like almost a panicked feeling, um, something, you know, you just found out about a meeting you have to go to, and then you need to, you know, calm down immediately. That's where the deep breath will work. There are plenty of things that you can do to relax if you're feeling like a low grade sort of stress that just sort of lasts for a while because you're, you know, just feeling pressure from, from all different parts of your life. And, and over time, people just like kind of tolerate stress, but it's not necessary because your body and your mind are, are trying to find balance for you. So if you can just sort of integrate a couple of tools such as there are plenty of like relaxation activities, for instance, things that involve your body are, in my opinion, the most effective because if you can, you know, connect the body and mind, it's like a quicker way of releasing the stress. So things like yoga, Tai Chi, mm -hmm. um, visualization, muscle relaxation, like those sort of things are proven to help with stress. But then also depending on your own interests, like something like hiking outside in nature that can bring a sense of calm to a lot of people who enjoy just being outdoors. It could be anything like sewing, if you love sewing, like taking time to do something where you're moving your body and you're focusing your attention on something other than your, your mind and your thoughts. Hmm. could help but there's another uh, another I guess it would be considered a visualization that I really like as well it involves breathing but you take a few deep breaths they call them conscious breaths where you're focusing all your attention on the breath itself and then you close your eyes and you just try for maybe 20 seconds to tap into your inner energy field if you choose one body part, like maybe your fingers, for instance, and you close your eyes after taking two deep breaths and you ask yourself, can I feel the sensations in my fingers? And it's just as simple as asking yourself, like, can I notice my fingers even though I'm not moving them? And if you kind of put all your attention there, you'll start to notice that there is energy in your fingers and actually there's energy everywhere. So you can sort of even imagine moving that energy through your hand and up your arm if you mm. have time to do that. And that actually is really helpful because it helps you enter the space below the mind. So you're entering your body without really using your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, it's another way to go from, para, from sympathetic to parasympathetic. I always liked uh, re, uh, progressive relaxation. Mm -hmm. and, and the way I learned it is that you, you can start, you, you lie down, uh, I guess you could do it sitting in a chair, and you start with your feet, and you, you tense your feet, maybe pushing down on the floor, or if you're lying down, pushing down on your heels, and you feel that tension, you hold it, hold it, hold it, then you relax, and then you feel the contrast between the tension and the relaxation, then you move up to your calves, you push down on your legs, and you go through your whole body that way, your legs, your arms, especially your neck, uh, your head, you're squinting your eyes, you feel that, and so progressive relaxation requires a couple of things. One, it requires that you really are attending to the sensations of the body rather than, as you say, the thoughts regarding the body. You're actually tuning into the sensations. 
and you're you're really flipping the body from that that hyper arousal state to a state of relaxation so these these techniques are really valuable mm -hmm. uh, as is Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. I was going to say there's a lot of guided meditations like that on even on YouTube for free. So I, I used to listen to them before I would fall asleep too. They just can really relax you mm -hmm. into into sleep, and that actually is another <laughs> stress relief reliever is getting enough sleep. So you can use your meditation and they are, and that's I'm glad you mentioned that because people should know you know with the advent of YouTube. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of guided meditation, meditation, there's meditational music, there are progressive relaxation, all kinds of instructions. And, and it is very important. I, I, I'm working with a, another gentleman who has been, had a lot of trouble falling asleep, a lot of trouble. And the more this went on, the more stressed he became and the more anxious he became which certainly does not promote uh, falling asleep. So what, what I've been working on with him is that in the hours preceding sleep to develop a prolonged bedtime ritual, because people don't realize that stress is cumulative and these 1,400 stress chemicals, they start to build up kind of a, a cumulative effect in our body and our mind. And as we try to approach sleep, if we are wired from that stress, it's it's really it's like having too much caffeine before you go to sleep. You just you're just not going to get there. So you have to begin to mitigate the stress that you feel beforehand if you really want to work on sleep patterns. Mm -hmm. And it's not a good idea to put on the news if the news stresses you. It's it's not a good idea to do things that you know the bills at night or the phone calls that whatever it is you need to if you're having sleep problems the one thing you don't want to do is build up stress chemicals prior to going to bed definitely i think we could do a whole podcast on sleep patterns and falling asleep too yes um but in the in when we talk about stress and we're telling people that meditation and breathing are you sleeping <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what were you saying? Uh, I was saying how that a lot of times people are a little bit resistant. People who are feeling a lot of pressure are sometimes resistant to the idea of like, okay, we'll just slow down and take some deep breaths and try some meditation. And because in their mind, the it's a feeling of like, I need to keep going. I need to finish this. There's so much to do. How are you telling me to slow down? And the truth is that, you know, you slow down to speed up. The more you give yourself those breaks to really relax and allow for the parasympathetic nervous system to take over, it sort of recharges you. It allows you to, you know, come back to your responsibilities with a renewed sense of enthusiasm and if not enthusiasm, at least, you know, perseverance, like you can work much more clearly and much more quickly after you've allowed rest for your brain and your body rather than, you know, constantly just pushing mm -hmm. at it. You know, I really like what you said about uh, the resistance. Uh, when you tell someone to slow down, uh, what do you mean? You know, it's just that there's this urgency to follow through and, and figure out or do what you need to do to reduce the stress. And this urgency is stress producing in and of itself. Uh, so that, that's, that's, that's very good. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think um, perspective, just general perspective is another thing to focus on when you're trying to reduce stress, uh, realizing that 
you know, you might, your thoughts might not always be true. Like, you know, if, if you're feeling like you can't necessarily reach this deadline, like just sort of looking at it from a space of neutrality and noticing like, is this really a pressure that is real or am I putting the pressure on me? Is there really a deadline or did I create the deadline? So I think that that's part of it. And then also with the work around perspective is trying to practice gratitude as often as you can and rooting into positivity so that you can see that even though you might be feeling stressed, there may be something or there probably is at least something that is positive about the thing you're working on. Um, And if it's not about the thing you're working on, then just remind yourself of all the things that you do have in your life that are, mm-hmm. you know, that you have to be grateful for. You know, I use, you may, you may think I don't listen to you, but I do. And uh, <laughs> I, I've been quoting you to uh, people I've been working with. Uh, every time there's a negative, I tell them they have to have three positives in response, forcing you to find three positives. Uh, and it's it's the simple things that, that really can make life very, very uh, worthwhile. But sometimes we just gloss over all that we do have uh, and the potential that we have to rectify what's wrong, to proceed through and over and around those problems that we face and the challenges. So the optimism is important. You know, the optimistic attitude is an energy attitude, and it really propels us into a better life. The, the optimist and the pessimist, no one knows the future, but the optimist lives a very different life in the present. That's why it's important to harness an optimistic attitude. Mm. So we're talking, yeah. we're talking really about uh, really staying as much as we can in a parasympathetic nervous system where where we are resting and digesting and just flowing with our life without adding stress and handling stress as it comes and getting through stress. And we don't want to, and I'm sure you'll totally agree with me, we don't want to anesthetize ourselves with drugs, with booze, uh, with gambling, you know, these, these may reduce stress, but they also begin to add complications and more unbearable stress as you go forward. So we don't want to deflect stress by doing destructive or compulsive habits, do we? No, no, because it will, you know, it'll numb it for the moment, but not, it won't help you to figure it out. Yeah. Hey, Lauren, uh, by the way, do you know what time it is? Is this happening again? I thought this was only like a one-time deal. Oh my gosh. It is the self-coaching pep talk of the day. It is happening. Today, today's pep talk is, it's all up to you. Starting today, regardless of what goes on around you, recognize that you and you alone make the decision as to what kind of a day it will be. Focus on what's right with your life rather than on what's wrong. Now, of course, some people will say, if your glass is half empty, fill it up. Well, self-coaching says, forget waiting to fill up your glass. It's quicker to just ignore the half empty aspects of your life while actively focusing on the half full aspects. In other words, optimism now. 
I like the pep talk a lot. I think the song is a little excessive, but the pep talk itself is <laughs> I like that song. Huh? I know. It reminds that, me of like your football days, maybe, right? maybe next week I won't uh, use it, but we'll see. I don't know. I think I might secretly like it. I'll have to think about it. So stress today, I'm going to eliminate stress. How about you? Yeah, I feel much less stressed since our bear conversation that we started off That's with. That's right. And and in order to, I never mentioned the top-down strategy, but to me, I just want to mention it before we close. And that's just reframing the way you think about things helps a lot. You know, once you're away from having the amygdala take over and those stress chemicals, you know how many? 1,400 stress chemicals. So you do have the capacity to reinvent the wheel, to see your life differently, and to not be a victim of your own thinking. Do you think that's a, a good point to, for me to end on? I like it. Do not be a victim of your own thinking. How do you want to end this conversation today, my dearest daughter? Uh, I would say I... I'm... You're stalling. You're stalling. Come on, stress, stress. Yeah, you're stressing me out over there. I think realizing that stress is normal and that you can grow from it and you can learn better ways to manage it and deal with it is important. And everybody has that capability. So just pay attention to your sensations, try to catch it, deep breath, and then you can use any of those other strategies um, that we had talked about. Namaste. Namaste. Yes, uh, managing stress, that's it. Uh, that's a good way to end because basically you are not a victim. And you should never feel victimized by the stressors in your life, regardless of those stressors. And we live in stressful times, no doubt. But it's not stress that brings us to our knees, is it? It's how we interpret that stress. That's right. Good. So, and visit our selfcoaching.net website, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And check out my number one best-selling books. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you are not powerless. So remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren and me, and let's make it simple together. Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart